We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them... It's just right for us. The Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and sitting in studio with us tonight, my buddy, Doug Romanski. Oh, yeah. Hey, you guys remember him. Doug's... Crypt Keeper of Drew's Secrets. Back again, baby. <laughs> oh, my God, we're back again. Yeah, man. God, that's so... Uh, Chris, that might be one of the most effeminate things I've ever done on this podcast. Yeah, yeah it was well, a Backstreet Boys reference. Almost as effeminate with what we were doing just before we pressed record. Oh, my God. Yeah. But like, Chris, see, guys, this is what you miss when you're not here in the room. We should just live stream that. Chris, Doug and I are talking about familial things, people getting married, people getting divorced, people separating, and he I goes... I mean, it's on tape. I can put it in. I gotta, now I know why Dad is... And they're going to respect you more because you always respected her even when she didn't deserve it. I got a question. What do we uh, do in this room? Do we do the Rock Power Report or the Steve Wilco show? <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here? Steve Wilco, that bald, like, beautiful dude, bastard. I don't think I can throw a chair through drywall the way that man does. <sighs> but this is what I love about Chris and his Asperger's nonsense. Guys, we are here. It's draft week. Thank God we're finally here. And this is the AFC's Roundup. And we're going to go around the division talking to everybody about what they think about the upcoming draft, what's going on with their team, where they stand, what they like, what they don't like, what their needs are, nightmare scenarios, the whole nine. But if we're going to kick this thing off, it's fitting that it not only starts with the worst team in the division, it also starts with the team that probably has the most to talk about in the New York Jets. And so to kick all of this off tonight, we start like we usually do, with Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet. And it's funny because most people would assume, like, Doug, you don't know this, but the format of the show has always been we kind of, like, we stagger our guests in reverse order of the standings. So the Jets have perennially 
then the first segment. No, and no doubt. Like, the joke that we always made is that they, he can stop being, uh, well, who is the guy that you always compare yourself to? I always come up with a Brooklyn brawler. Who's your favorite, Scott? Oh, I always say either Barry, uh, Barry Horowitz or Brooklyn <laughs> Brawler's a good one. Iron Mike Sharp. I always like Iron Mike Sharp. He, he's like, basically, we're just a jobber in the AFC East. That's all the Jets are year over year. Well, if you talk to the national media, those days are over, baby. There you because go. the Jets just made the trade today. Breaking news from Adam Schefter. The compensation has been agreed upon. Aaron Rodgers, uh, or his uh, super Mexican DM being called him the, the ayahuasca kid, which I'm going to be laughing about all year. Uh, Can we say props to super Mexican? I love that dude. <laughs> <laughs> super Mexican, the ayahuasca kid, is now playing in New York City. That guy's funny. He's really funny. I should have him on play like a jet, but I'm, I'm a little nervous. He's more of a loose cannon than you, Drew. I know, right? But that's what makes him a beautiful person. And I mean, by beautiful person, I mean inside. Outside, he's ugly as shit. I mean, there's his. I'm not kidding. His his nickname is Rebar Face. Go listen to his oh, podcast woof. if you want to find out why. So, with that in mind, though, when we talk about the draft, like that's what we're here to do tonight. We're talking about best case, worst case scenarios, things that would drive you crazy, things that would haunt you about other teams doing in the draft. It, you have to start with what just transpired and the fact that and I, I you guys just landed maybe the maybe second best they're, they're like the, the quarterback situation in the AFC East is now kind of weird because it all depends on what Aaron Rodgers you think you're getting mm-hmm. first of all your knee-jerk reaction to the trade Scott I mean, I guess in one sense, I'm glad it's done with so I don't have to hear about it anymore. <laughs> and I, I can go back to treating Green Bay Packer fans the way they deserve to be treated, which is completely ignoring them. I was getting tired of explaining basic math and arithmetic to them. And so I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore because it really is exhausting. At a certain point, you just have to stop and say, listen, one plus one is two. Two plus two is four. I don't know what they're teaching out there in Wisconsin, but clearly it's not actual math because you're not understanding this whole $60 million guaranteed situation. But I think on the one hand, if you want to be positive about it, the Jets obviously got Aaron Rodgers and they're according to Charles Robinson, they believe that Rodgers is going to play for two years. Now, look, I'm sure that he's told them that he's leaning towards doing it. But as we all know, Rodgers is never going to make that kind of commitment 100% right now. Anything could happen. He could get hurt and change his mind. Or he decides, as we sa- as you just said, he becomes a whole ayahuasca kid and goes off on some journey. So you're, you're sort of risking it there if that's the plan. And, and apparently that's why they felt comfortable relenting on the give back protections. But the thing is... Ultimately, what it comes down to is if the Jets do really, really well here, nobody will care. But there's a non-zero chance that doesn't happen. Anything, And this is what bothers me about the trade is that, number one, the Packers had to get rid of him. Everyone knew it. And no one else wanted him. Everyone knew it. So if those two things are the case. Now, I think part of it is, too, is that the Jets played this incredibly foolishly. Number one, you got the owner making these comments about how he's impatient to get Rodgers. You've got Joe Douglas first saying that they wouldn't even try to negotiate with Lamar Jackson because they want to do this deal in good faith. 
I mean, come on, man. This is this is blood sport. You don't do this whole well. We're not going to even talk to Lamar Jackson. Any and people will say, "Oh, that would have made Rodgers mad." You could have even said to Rodgers, "Look, we're trying to put the screws to Green Bay. Green Bay, we're not really going to sign Roger. We're not really going to sign Lamar Jackson, but it'll help both sides. It'll help us with Green Bay with the leverage, and it'll help Lamar Jackson with leverage with the Ravens. And so we're going to do this and try and put the squeeze on Green Bay. Whatever. You, at least don't come out and say we're not interested in Lamar Jackson." You could say something like, he's a great quarterback. Any team would be lucky to have him move on. And then that way, at least the possibilities out there. And then Joe Douglas getting drunk at this function and basically mouthing off that he was going to get Rodgers. Well, look, realistically, you could have pivoted to Tannehill wait, or Stafford or wait, something he was, like that. He was drunk when he made that speech. I mean, everybody assumes it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who knows for sure? But I actually it, like it, Joe Douglas a little bit more right now. He should have came out and be like, this is Thunderdome. I'm signing them both. Let them go at it and practice. That's right. Exactly. But I'm saying, so they, they had Tannehill is by all accounts available. Stafford could have been available. And so you had pivot points that Green Bay didn't have. And so to me, to give up what they gave up is way too much considering the situation. And people will say, well, but if the Jets pick the 27 to 32, yeah, okay, but they're, look, we just saw what happened with the Broncos with Russell Wilson, where they ended up giving up what turned into the fifth pick in the draft. We just saw what happened with the Rams, with Stafford. And I don't want, for anybody that's going to compare the Jets to the Rams the year before when the Rams won the Super Bowl, please stop. Rodgers absolutely makes the Jets a significantly better team and raises their ceiling. There's no question about that. And he was easily the best quarterback available. Nobody can dispute that. What I'm talking about is the value here and the fact that when you look at Matthew Stafford going to the Rams, number one, he was 32 years old, not 40. Number two, that Rams team two years before that had gone toe-to-toe, at least for a while, with the Patriots in the Super Bowl. They lost 13-3. to And the year after that went to the second round with a practice squad quarterback. So they were this close, and getting Stafford was going to shove them over the hump. I don't think the Jets are anywhere near in that position. I think, at best, they're the second-best team in the AFC East, and I think you can make a a reasonable argument that they're third if Tua Tugavaloa stays healthy. So when you factor that in, what the Jets actually ended up giving up here, Drew, is a second-rounder in this year's draft, which they got for Elijah Moore. Mm -hmm. So it was actually Elijah Moore – well, they actually got that for Elijah Moore in a third. So what this really comes down to is they gave up Elijah Moore, the equivalent of two third rounders this year, because that pick swap from 15 to 13 has the value of a third round pick. And by the way, what makes me nervous about that is the Patriots are now sitting right in front of the Jets. Yes. So you've now I was hoping you were going to say that. Yeah. So now you've given up the possibility and we'll see who they end up getting. But then you, on top of that, you've given up a second rounder, which, unless there's an unbelievable catastrophe, is going to be a first rounder next year. Because what drives me nuts about this is, if the Jets were going to give up this first, the conditions had to be steeper and they had to be team related. Yep, should have been a that they had to make the AFC Championship game, or at the very least, it should have been that the Jets hosted a, a playoff game or the Jets win a playoff game, something like that. To make it that all it has to be is Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps, well, okay, number one, he's 40 years old. What happens if his play dips significantly? 
or at least even a little bit. And B, we just saw the Jets get ravaged by injuries. What happens if Rodgers comes here and all of a sudden Brees Hall can't go right away or he misses significant time and Becton gets hurt again and Elijah Vera Tucker gets hurt again? Any of these guys can get hurt. And then Aaron Rodgers playing 65% of the snaps doesn't even matter anymore. Was, so, like, Well, I was going to say, if you're not a fan, like if you're the guy who's saying to yourself, you know what I don't want to do is give up a first-round pick next year. I mean, we do have Matt Milano. <laughs> you could always give Matt Milano a call. He'd be happy to oblige you. Scott, let me, yeah. Scott, let me ask you this now that this trade's done. As a Jets fan, is your uh-huh. biggest concern in your head now the offensive line and trying to upgrade it in the draft? No, it isn't. Honestly, okay. here, here, and I'll tell you why. I know a lot of people are going to hear that and be like, what? what? Because here's the problem. I, if they get if they can get Peter Skronsky or, or Paris Johnson, I suppose, but really more Skronsky. But at 15, now that they traded down, I see that as a very unrealistic possibility. You're probably looking at Broderick Jones or Darnell Wright. I, I like Darnell Wright, good player. I think he can be a good, solid tackle. But I don't see him as being like a massive difference maker in, in terms of right away. Mm-hmm. And I think the same situation with Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones is a, is a good athlete, but... He's a, very much a project. He's not going to be a guy that's going to step in right away, and, and you should assume that he's going to be a major difference maker at the tackle spot. So I think what this comes down to really is, um, look, if you can get Jackson Smith the Jigman, and I've been saying this for a while, you should, because Aaron Rodgers is a guy who loves to get rid of the ball quickly, and he likes to rely on receivers that get open fast. Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba gets open very, very fast, and so does Garrett Wilson. So the best, as they say in boxing, sometimes the best uh, defense is a good offense. Well, look at and what so, the Dolphins did. You just Okay, right. so what you just said, people go, well, you don't need too many. Okay, look at how poor the offensive line in Miami is. But then you look what they're able to do because they have a Jalen Waddle and they also have Tariq Hill. Weapons, weapons, right. weapons. You guys right. have a Garrett Wilson. But you can game plan for a Garrett Wilson. I mean, who, who? if you game plan for Garrett Wilson, who are you leaving open? Alan Lazard. Yeah, that's, see, that's the problem. Yeah! And that kind of goes back to what I was saying before, like all this talk about the Jets are built to win this minute, right now, all in. And it's like, okay, but and I get it. They had bad quarterback playing all that, but they were 7-10 and 10 last year. I absolutely agree that getting Rodgers – makes them a a pretty safe bet, or not a safe bet, but a good bet for a playoff spot. But did they do enough to all of a sudden vault over the Bills, the Bengals, the Chiefs? I mean, that's a very... It's a steep hill to climb. It is a steep hill to climb, brother. Very, very. very. And then, like I said, going back to the old line, the other issue for me is I think the, the gap between, say, Broderick Jones or Darnell Wright, and maybe Matthew Bergeron, who you could get at this, in the second round, is not – I don't think it's that steep of a drop. I don't think these tackles, for the most part, are that great. No. Paris Johnson has a lot of potential. I think he could be really good, but You're gonna I would mold be stunned. Him. You're going to have to mold him. Well, right, but I, I'd, I'd be stunned. If, from everything I'm hearing, I don't think he – I think there's a good chance he goes top five, but I don't think there's any way he makes it out of the top 10. Peter Skronsky, I'd be very surprised 
especially now that the Jets moved down two spots. So I don't know what, what they do exactly, but but like I said, I think the offensive line needs to be improved, but there's no magic bullet here. Like mm-hmm. if you're if you were telling me that the Jets were gonna pick an offensive lineman at fifteen that was gonna be some big time Pro Bowl or year number one, I just don't think that guy exists. I am glad that they re-signed Connor McGovern, though, because now at least they're not desperate yes. at the center position. Well, especially but, like we just got done talking to Russ Brown about the offensive line. And you, some of the things that you're saying here, these fears of yours, he echoed those same things to us a week ago. He said this tackle class, you know, we talked about how people, Bills fans, love this idea of Darnell Wright at 27. And then you turn around and go, you draft Darnell Wright at 27. Spencer Brown is still your week one starter. Correct. And he probably, if Darnell Wright, let's say through competition, finds his way in the field, it's midseason, and he takes maybe 50% of the snaps. There aren't many, like, this tackle class is not very deep. No. In terms of surefire, this guy can play in the pros. Is a starter, as a starter. And then at center, the depth is non-existent. So your team signing that guy is kind of almost a... it's 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 significant in that sense because it's them admitting like look we need all the options we can get here because we can't find that guy right like it's either you draft a center in the first round they were they, we talked about it like if buffalo doesn't take john michael smiths at 27 then the plan is you're going to draft an interior offensive lineman like Juice Scruggs or somebody that you think you can mold over a year or two. At some point later at in the draft. At some point later, that'll be a guy, but it's never at the top. And so but you guys are in a rough position because of that. That trade back really does. Like everyone goes, oh, it's only two picks. Well, there's positions well, of need, and unfortunately that move down the, the food chain really does hurt you. Well, and listen, ultimately, you guys know this. The teams that draft for need are the bad teams. The teams yes. that draft quality are the ones that end up – look, Joe Douglas has said this over and over again, but Ozzie Newsom has a saying, and he's always had one in Baltimore. Today's luxury is tomorrow's necessity, right? So you don't pick a guy just based on, hey, we need a tackle right now because, like you said, okay, somebody like Broderick Jones may take some time – to get up to speed and you can't say in one side of your mouth this team is going all in we're doing a b c d e f g and it's all systems go and then you're picking a a tackle at 15 that you're saying well i mean maybe this guy is going to take a year really to get going and look really like i said what it comes down to is to me you look at who's the best players at these spots and whatever and yeah you'd love to get a tackle, but but also you have to look at if you're getting Aaron Rodgers, what truly is going to be the the best path forward in terms of who you can get at number 15, right? Weapons. And it really depends on who's on the board. Yeah, well, if you can get a weapon, the problem for me is like this receiver class is like okay past Jackson Smith and the Jigba. There's like some okay receivers, but I don't see anybody here that I look at and go, oh man, you better give me that guy at 15. So Scott, I, know, I just man. Scott, I just want you to say it because I just want to see Drew's face, and I've always wanted to ask a Jets fan this. Now that you have your quarterback for this year and maybe next year, you're sitting at 15. You're a Jets fan. They draft a tight end at 15. How do you feel? Depends who it is. Kincaid. <laughs> so they draft Dalton Kincaid. 
I mean, I wouldn't despise it. I don't see them doing it, but I wouldn't despise it because at least Kincaid's a good player and he would help. I mean, look, they have three tight ends, but they're all kind of, as the kids I, say, mid. Right? I, so, would go, I would go outside Doug's house <laughs> like Willem Dafoe and Boondock Saints and fire a weapon in the air. <laughs> like that's, that's what, Scott, I love that you give us your time for this, and everyone's going to be like, well, this is a draft show. Well, we did talk about the draft assholes, but some things take precedence. Absolutely. And I'm sure that if anybody else wants more of this Aaron Rodgers stuff, you're going to have a boatload of it over on Play Like a Jet this week, and you're going to have a lot of other pre-draft Jets content. You know, winners, losers, in terms of the players that you do like, don't like, prognostications, other forecasting, where can everybody go to find that stuff? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. We'll have plenty on Rodgers. Uh, we will also have more uh, pre-draft content and post-draft content. And then what we'll probably do is after the draft is over, we'll really start digging in on Rodgers. We'll really start digging in on the draft picks. That's what we've done every single year. We're, we're looking at potentially doing something live on draft night. I'm still trying to put that together. But play like a Jet 1 on Twitter. Play like a jet on all your favorite podcast apps seven days a week, which is probably why I'm going to wind up institutionalized at some point. Uh, and yeah, it's the podcasting, Scott. That's why you're going to be here. Sure. Nice yeah, well, there's many reasons, but that's one of them. <laughs> YouTube.com slash play like a jet is, is another avenue. And I just have to say that uh, the Jets and the Packers, just when you thought it was safe to get ready for your draft content, like a RKO out of nowhere, boom, you get hit, and it's one, two, three, and now uh, the Jets and Packers have taken over the pre-draft chatter once again. They said the Jets and the Packers had cooled off, and maybe this was going to drag out to the draft, and everything was quiet, and now all of a sudden the Jets and the Packers have stolen the headlines. But what this does do, if nothing else, Drew, you know this, it will make the AFC East very interesting this year. Oh, it's going to uh, be fun. Oh, this is going to be a fun year. Yeah. And, I mean, one thing I will say is, I, barring some sort of catastrophe, I do think you'll have three very competitive teams. I don't really see uh, much for the Patriots this year. But no. you'll have three, three very good teams, and, and it'll make for some – and, listen, you'll have a lot of primetime games too. The Bills, the Dolphins, and the Jets are all going to probably get quite a few primetime oh, no, games. No, so, no doubt. Hey, no doubt. You know what I'm looking forward to is finally the day – that we can all just do the Nelson Muntz and point at the Patriots together. And he did a Randy Orton reference. I know I love it. Did. Scott, and, and, thank you so and much And also, for by up. the way, Drew, you got to make your way out here for Jets-Bills this year. I'll try. I'll try to make it happen. Scott, love you. Thanks for, thanks for joining the show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so that brings us to the New England Patriots. You know, better, at least we think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the question is, are replace the Patriots as maybe the third best team in the AFC East? And are the Patriots the new Barry Horowitz or, you know, what the repo man? What other, uh, what other jobbers in the WWF can you think of? I even got a, but you know what they are? They're Paul bearer when they got a tan. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Simonelli on the line. What do you think about this? If, if the Patriots, with their quarterback situation, in terms of being an, a WWF jobber, <laughs> where do the Patriots fall in that spectrum? Fourth. fourth. Absolutely. Right now, right now they're fourth. They haven't beaten Miami with the starting quarterback in like two years. They've yet to beat Tua. Um, the Jets are better, obviously, just like you said off the hop. You know, and then you guys are the cream of the crop of the division. So until they start playing games right now with this roster – they're number four. Christian Simonelli, Patriots fan extraordinaire. Here's what I love. You started off negative. Like, you guys, I, I want to know, what is the vibe around New England right now? In terms of Patriots fans, the vibe of the local media, just how things have been skewed. Because I feel like, Chris, aren't we used to this? We used to live in this era where the Patriots would enter every draft and people go, they could take whoever. It doesn't matter because right. yeah. there were, all of a sudden you're in that group of teams that quote unquote needs. And that has to be weird for you guys, right? Yeah, very. Um, you know, you could win a Super Bowl and take a Logan Mangans with the 32nd pick and have no issues. Um, the, 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 the vibe right now is that they have to hit and they have to hit at a skill position, whether it's cornerback or wide receiver. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a year with so many mocks, with so many varying opinions on who is going to go to them. I've seen them take a quarterback. I've seen them take tackle. I've seen people with a corner. I've seen people with a tight end. I've seen people with a mock with wide receiver. It's all over the place. Um, it's crazy. Patriots.com has the mock uh, draft tracker, and you click on all of them, and it seems like every single one is different. And it just screams, you know, the uh, the amount of needs that this team has right now, particularly again at, at the money positions, at the skill positions. They really need, they really need people. They really need to hit. Um, and it's just, it's just the results of the hor- horrible drafting. Uh, you know, you look back, whether it's eighteen or the nineteen class, just really set this team back. Well, that's it. How many years have you guys like? How many years of drafts? Right, like you're talking years and years of drafts that you guys have had, where your first handful of picks, the Nikhil Harry draft, you know, the graphic that we've been laughing about for the last year and change, where they run down all of the skill position players taken in the top two rounds by the Patriots that have not panned out, 
And then you finally get one in Jacoby Myers, and he leaves for free agency. Right. It's like that guy was good enough to be at minimum a wide receiver, too, on most football teams. And he leaves to go stick with Josh McDaniels. Yeah. It's not and, like you guys haven't tried. You guys have actually put a lot I'm, of assets in the things and free agency, too, with the tight end signing. And so that's where this Patriots conversation becomes interesting to me because it's one of those things where – you look at the needs. And like I'm looking at an article right now from uh, the, uh, the assigned affiliate for the Patriots, Patriots Country, you know, the Sports Illustrated offshoot, and they're talking yep. about the quote unquote plentiful needs, and they're trying to rank them, and they think that cornerback is one of the biggest needs, tight end. To, to somehow tight end gets in there, and you want to talk about mistakes by the Patriots franchise. It's like. Or at least a decline. And that's, I guess that's the thing that the Patriots are fighting is this slide. It feels like everything since Tom Brady left has started to slide. And it hasn't been a quick deterioration. It's like Rome burning, which I'm not going to lie, has been immensely satisfying. Like, I'm a dickhead. I'm willing to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you, listen, I, I'd be, you know, running laps like you guys are too, victory laps. Um, look. Tom Brady was the ultimate deodorant, and, and it's not a cop out like Belichick has swung and missed on drafts, but it, it kind of didn't matter. Like, yeah. and you guys have gotten, you guys are starting to see this with Allen now. It, it kind of doesn't matter who you have around him. Like he's going to get the ball to who he needs to, and they're going to score points, and they're going to be in games, and they're going to they're going to make the playoffs. Now you have very little room for error, especially with the kid right now and Mac Jones, whose head I just don't think. Right, right, right at this moment is really where it needs to be. Um, and I just think what I mean by that is I just think he's really screwed up from last year. And I think Bill continues to play games with them in the media um, by not naming them whenever there's an interview or a question about them and how everybody's going to compete. And then recently with this whole thing with Bailey Zappi popping up, well, it's going to be, you know, essentially everybody's going to have a chance to compete in camp. Um the years of drafting the Cyrus Jones and the, you know, the Malcolm Mitchells, and then you got a guy like Derek Rivers or whiffing on Michelle and when, you know, people will argue with me. Sony Michelle was a hit. All right, he, he was on a Super Bowl championship team, team and had a great, you know, playoff run. Whoop de doo. Um, those guys that you took, you really needed to hit to be your core now. You needed to hit on the Joe Juan Williams. You needed to hit on the Akil Harry, like Damian Harris, although they don't keep running backs here. You know, would have been nice to have him. So they draft from Andre Stevenson. They obviously don't care about running backs. They seem to just replace them every three years. But you do need a core here. Like, you need those McCordys. Who, who's that next group of guys? You had your Rodney Harrisons and your Teddy Bruskies and that transition. So you Matthew Slaters and, and you know, uh, your Devin McCordys and, you know, Gerard Mayos and the Dante Hightowers. You were able to get those guys. Where are those guys? That's it. You guys have missed so many times. And so it's scary for me heading into this draft for you guys that I see that like the thing that seems to top the chart of needs, cornerback, tight end. Uh, You know, people are talking about wide receiver for the page. Everyone. I think the big thing is Zay Zay Flowers. Like, well, Zay Flowers is a patriot. If, If he falls to them, he's a guaranteed patriot. It's the worst kept secret in football. The problem has been. And you see it now playing out in all these pre-draft articles and the lists that come out. And that's why your mock drafts are so varied. You not only have a lot of needs, but your biggest needs are the ones that your team can't nail. 
They're the ones that they yeah. continually fail to draft and cultivate the talent of those players. It's cornerback with your Cyrus Joneses, your uh, Jovan Williamses in the top 60. It's it's drafting yeah. Nikhil Harry. It's drafting, oh, God, I could give you the whole list of Lawrence Maroney. Hey, Lawrence Maroney. Oh. All, right, all right, Lawrence Maroney was bad. But, but also, <laughs> let's not forget that the Patriots went out in 2021 in free agency after they saw the bills get that giant jump and they go oh shit they went know? buck what they went tight end happy they said you know listen man give out john U. smith and hunter henry I'm money a tight end and fan. both picks i think failed i'm a tight end fan but you can, i mean the amount of money that you guys gave to those two weapons to try and recreate your double tight you know what I mean? When you guys were successful and you were going through the playoff runs and you were going to the Super Bowls, yep. again, you said it the best, though. You had Tom Brady. <laughs> it didn't matter. Of course, he's going to do even better with weapons around him. So, you know what I mean? So right. trying to recreate right. that Absolutely. Failed. So now the problem is, is that all of these swings and misses have a cost. And we're watching it play out in this draft with the New England Patriots where years of missing – Left and to to a certain degree, you can talk about the bills. Oh yeah! Say, Look, there's positions we've whiffed on, mm-hmm. and now you're paying the price for it. Defensive end, mm-hmm. defensive end, not landing an impact one is the reason you had to go out and spend seventeen million dollars on Von Miller. Von Miller, right? But our holes yep. were so few, that's why we were at one end of the spectrum and the Patriots mm-hmm. are at the other. It's been years of draft misses, not just one or two or three drafts where eh, we could have done better. This has been like a five- or six-year deterioration. And to your point, Tom Brady made up for it. So now coming into this draft, when you think about the makeup of it, if we think about best-case and worst-case scenario for your team, let's talk about what represents the silver lining, the silver tuna for you. What is the thing that's going to have you jumping up and down on Sunday when the draft is over, if the Patriots can pull it off? That they come out of this with two viable starters at corner and wide receiver. Okay. I, I don't. I don't. You can take your tackles and you can take your shy, tight ends, roll them up real tight and shove them. <laughs> I've, seen this team, I, I've seen. I've seen. I've seen teams, and I've seen particularly this team. You know, get players at those positions. Hell, I've seen them take a wrestler and turn him into a Pro Bowl guard. I've seen them take a guy who played for Germany in the second round, couldn't speak a lick of English, and turn him into a Pro Bowl tackle. They can find guys. And although my boy isn't there, Scar, you still have Dante Scarnett. And so they can take guys in the third or fourth round to tackle and tight end, take them in those rounds. Even the, my biggest fear, though, my biggest fear, and if I read it one more time, I'm going to put my head through my computer screen, is that, quote, it's a deep draft, and there's only 15 to 10 to 15 guys who have first-round grades. It just screams Bill jumping back and grabbing picks. My hope my hope is that ownership has stepped in like they did in 2021, which has been well-documented, and they say, look, stay where you are and get players, okay? Don't move around and get picks for next year because next year's draft, we hear this every year, next year's draft is the draft that you want to be in because it's going to be so deep and there's going to be so much talent. And then next year's draft comes, and what happens? Oh, talent pool is not great. You can trade back and get picks for next year. Uh, Stop playing year, that game. Every year. Get players. Get players. Get guys. Get guys in here that will that – will, Make a difference. Perfect example of that. My ideal draft would be Christian Gonzalez and Zay Flowers. Thank you. Goodbye. I don't care what they do in rounds two through not seven. They can smoke those picks. They can roll them up and smoke them. You know what, though? Why not? You just got two. I mean, 
You just got two top 35 players that are added on your team, and you need to try and hit on one of them. And guess what? If you whiff on Zay Flowers and hit on Christian Gonzalez or vice versa, and one of them becomes an all-pro, you're going to be happy. Happy. Trey White yep. was a t- Trey, Trey White was picked what twenty seven? Yeah, Trey White was Trey White. That was, was the uh, Mahomes yep. year yeah. when so, we traded out of ten. And so people want to get mad about that, but it's like, look, you're a rookie quarter, uh, rookie coach. You don't trust Doug Whaley's prognostication. You go, look, you're fired anyway. I fucking already know the guy who's taking your job. I'm not listening to you taking a Patrick Mahomes from some Texas Tech spread air raid thing. I'm not doing that. Right. And then you miss out on a, on the preeminent quarterback talent in football, but what you landed was a Pro Bowl player, all pro player at 27. Yeah. Because you scouted well. And because you have a good coach who can coach those positions. A part of me, and I love that in one question you answered both your nightmare scenario and the best case. <laughs> Cause if they trade back, I can just picture you walking in your house in that guinea tea of yours. Cause I know you're probably wearing it right now, aren't you? I actually have on a traditional white T-shirt tonight, so I don't. Okay. Have does it have a stain? Does it have a stain on it? Come on. Does it have a stain on it Hold somewhere? On. Uh, yeah, it does. Actually. <laughs> my man, I, listen, I've just met you, and I got my man. I respect that. I love it, man. I love it, Simonelli. I love you. This is it. So you've already laid this out for us. Like I could see you just in your guinea teeth, just screaming into a pillow because you got that new gorgeous, gorgeous little girl. And you don't want to wake her up, but you're, fuck, not. But you're fucking livid that this happened to you. And so with that in mind, I guess I just look at this draft and I think to myself, like, what's the thing that would really chap your ass if the bills like when you look at the bills, if they come out of this draft with something and it, like what would be your nightmare scenario to watch the bills upgrade? Right. Oh, God, look, you, you guys obviously need, an, you know, a, a number two. I receive them. So if you come out of this draft with the kid from Ohio State whose name I can't pronounce, or Zay Flowers, <laughs> and somehow you make a move to get up, Jackson I'm going to be and Mickey, and I'm, I'm going to be Mickey and Rocky too, and I'm going to just want to have Belichick in front of me and scream at him and say, "Why can't you fight him before like you did the first time? That was beautiful." I want to be like Bill. Why can't you draft like you did in 2012? That was beautiful. You got Chandler Jones, and then you traded up for Hightower, and you got two. <laughs> Lich pins of defense for your championship teams. Why can't you do that? Why? Why? And then my head would explode, and I'd wake up from my from my dream. That's what. I, that's my nightmare scenario. Is that everybody else around us, particularly you guys, because you're the cream of the crop, get that one player that you're jonesing for, and you really want, and it's really going to complete your offense. We need playmakers. I can't jump up and down enough. I mean, you mentioned the two tight ends in 2021. And Henry, and obviously they they shipped off Smith, and so now they're going to try to do the same thing with Gasecki. Good luck with that. Um, Nelson Aguilar didn't work out. Kendrick Bourne in the doghouse last year. Manny P in Philly. Read, see ya. Didn't want to, didn't want to be ya. Thank God. So let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Um, glad he's gone. Thank God. That sloth. But yeah, as you can tell, I'm in a fine mental state. Everything's perfectly normal. Now. You know, it's it, it's. Listen, man, we we get it. Listen, we understand. You're just going through this now. We understand how this is going. And here's that's what, why we are happy as a fan. Like at least I am. I can talk for myself. I am happy. <laughs> I am ecstatic. I know we haven't won it yet. 
And when that day comes, if it comes, I can't even imagine how I'm going to feel. I'm not an emotional guy. I'm not a crier. I'll probably cry in front of my kids and my wife. I will. I will. But you should. Like, I'll cry. I, I will. But, like, you've gotten to taste it. So now you're tasting the suckage. You're tasting the misuse it's of It's Ipecac. You're it's tasting the misuse of money and just, nah, it's okay. We'll be fine. And when it's, like, it's infuriating, After isn't it? After a while, it? it stops being okay. After a while, you start to look around and go, well, and here's the worst part, Christian. What you guys have done is the thing that the drought era bills did for a decade and a half, which is you're never bad enough, right? You're never going to be so bad that you get a blue chip talent by default. Unless you draft Marcel Darius third. Thanks a lot, Bama. (laughs) You're never going to be bad enough to be more than mediocre in terms of draft selection, which almost guarantees that if your GM is not a savant at talent acquisition and talent evaluation, you will stay mediocre for a frustratingly large period of time. It's it's football purgatory. This yeah, is exactly and this is it. And, that, and that's so what you're draft, in right now. As and a the Patriots thing is, fan. is now every year oh, yeah. you guys are going into these drafts like this could be our ticket out, but also it could just prolong this. If this goes poorly, as more players age off your team or leave in free agency when their number comes up, you're resigning yourself to more mediocrity. And so that's what's here. That's the that's the fulcrum point for the for the 2023, 2024, 2025 New England Patriots. And I got to tell you, I'm going to love every second of it. Yeah, I'm not I don't feel bad. I like you. I hope you have a really really good day tomorrow. I hope it's awesome. <laughs> hope you have the best day ever of a human being. Man, I don't feel bad for you at all right now though. One minute. Christian, you, you know, there was a time when I came on here and I used to feel pretty good when I used to hang up the phone, but that, <laughs> that, seems, that seems like a very long time ago. For, where can people follow you on social media and then also one time, just for Doug's sake, can you say the name Skarnakia? At Chris with a T-I-A-N on Twitter. Give me a follow. I'll give you a follow back. I am increasing my uh, Bill's followers exponentially. I think I'm up to four or five. Um, and Dante Skarnakia. And so that brings us to the Miami Dolphins. And here, as he is all the time to talk to us about this stuff, is Mr. Elf Artiaga from Three Arts Per Carry, who is not attending the draft this year. And, Elf, it's funny. So in our messages about why you weren't going to be going, you were like, well, one of one of the cardinal things I took away, you were like, well, they don't have a first-round pick, so that's kind of a buzzkill. And also, it's in fucking Detroit. Now, Doug- Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Celebrating our birthdays. Me and my wife next year in Detroit at the draft. Come on up, Elf. I'll have you stay at my family's house with us. Come on up. D- Doug? Doug is the guy. You got winter. You, you got winter gear for me. I got. It's gonna be in April, man. You're gonna be okay. It's gonna be like about 43, 45 <laughs> degrees. You're gonna be okay. As, like he said, do you have winter gear? This elf. This is the guy that I was talking you about. Right. He was like. He's like. Yeah. No. D- Detroit can get pretty. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> it gets Detroit, pretty bad. Absolutely. That's it. I mean, I am Buffalo born and bred, but my mom's family's from Detroit, and I go up there probably about six times a year. 
Man, do I love that city. It's, <laughs> it's just us. It's dirty. It's grimy. It's, hey, don't go down that road. You know, it's just great. It's like if, it's, it's, it's like if you were to take Atlantic City and then make it a full-blown metropolitan area, like a, like a real hub of civilization, except no doubt. it's with, all Atlantic City. With the two-block radius of Comerica Park, Ford Field, and a bunch of casinos where there's 900 cops so nothing bad happens in Greektown. <laughs> so, Elf, we're here talking about the draft, talking about... You know, the good, the bad, the ugly. We're talking about needs, best case, worst case. I want to start with this. As a team that doesn't have a first-round draft pick and some obvious needs, if you think about what would represent a best case and a worst case for the Miami Dolphins, you know, t- just focusing on them, not the rest of the division, what in your mind would make this draft a home run, considering you don't have a first-round pick, and what would really leave you... St- kind of str- grappling with the results i think what make it what would make it a, a home run is if all the guys that we kind of like for 51 but we fear will be late first round picks have their warts i would say exaggerated from now until thursday mm-hmm. and that that thing that always happens every single year uh they drop to 51 and then you're wondering how the hell did the Dolphins get their hands on that guy? Namely, like a Darnell Washington or Dewan Jones. Like mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where we're going with this. Although there's gonna be a good player at 51. Uh, my fear is that they'll they'll go after a need. There's some evidence because uh, Dolphins are hosting. I think we even talked about this on a, on a previous podcast that I kind of like Cameron Fleming. Mm-hmm. Well, he's in Miami today on a workout as okay. a free agent. Like, he'd be a nice addition at, at right tackle, I think. I think he's a guy that could start right away for well, us, I hang, think. Hang on. Let me, well, first of all, two things. First of all, you're talking about being able to start. You're like, he's a nice addition to our offensive tackle room. No shit. Chris might be a good addition to your left tackle room, depending on how, <laughs> your offensive tackle room, depending on how much weight he can put on between now and the summer. <laughs> like, the bar is pretty low there. Also, I won't knock him. Kim Fleming, if you're talking about a stopgap option. Like he's probably not yep. he's he's not the guy who's going to be the the tackle of the future for you guys. Mm-hmm. He's definitely not going to make anybody forget that you still have needs. But for a year or two he can do pretty much I think a lot of what Daryl Washington did for the Buffalo Bills. Or Daryl uh well, what was his name? Jesus, Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams. Williams came in from Carolina. Off the scrap heap and people uh-huh. go, "Oh my god, he's a failed pick." Well, our GM was one, was involved in the drafting of that player and the scouting of that player and said, look, on a flyer, cheap deal, he makes sense. And he became our starting right tackle. And yeah. he played very well for mm-hmm. us. And it was a big reason why our offense took a big jump in that season. You could see something similar. So Cam Fleming, it's, it's not like it doesn't make any sense. There's some logic there. Yeah. And Alf, when yeah, I, and, yeah, go ahead. And if they're looking in that direction, it gives me a little hope that they're going to be a little bit unorthodox at 51 and they're not going to stick to the script, which is just take the right tackle that can play a thousand snaps this year at 51, unless they get lucky, of course. And they're going to get a useful player going forward because if you look at uh, Miami's situation, they have a fabulous roster, but they got to start paying this roster this year and next. They're going to have to start supplementing some of the guys that are probably going to leave like a Zach Sealer, who's going to be inching toward 30, uh, an Xavier Howard in a year, maybe even Jalen Ramsey in two years. 
they have they're gonna have to start replacing some of those guys with you know top 100 picks yeah you de- I think you they de- gotta start they gotta get started I think this year at 51 yeah you definitely need to start uh, hitting on some picks there because like you said you have to uh you have to pay some of these guys coming up. And uh, every time I've done a mock draft so far this year for the Dolphins, because I just don't do the Bills, I take everyone in the division into consideration as well. And I think you would be extremely lucky if you, you know, you get a Cody Mock to fall to you, or if you get a uh, Warren McClendon, or uh, that big boy, the wrestler from uh, BYU that break Freeland. You know what I mean? If you can get yeah. something like that, I think you'd be extremely um, lucky to do it, and I'd snatch him in a minute. Well, my thing is, I just I don't see runs on I, this offensive line class. We were talking to last week in our offensive line preview with Russ Brown about how this class really. I mean, and, and would you agree that they don't need wide receivers? <laughs> I don't think there's a glaring need at wide receiver. I mean, maybe if there was a talent there on day, you know, late day, you know, day two, day three, but otherwise, it's really not a need. You could maybe argue tight end, given what your head coach is and what oh. he wants to do with his offense. Oh, for sure. You could argue there's a need for Miami for that. But realistically, offensive line, if you guys could find a way to shore that up, but then also, to your point, over the first couple days of the draft and maybe even like the top four rounds where you have picks, it's backfilling. It's backfilling and trying to get talent upgrades at things so that you don't have to pay for them later. Now, if we flip this around... What are the things that would drive you crazy to see your divisional opponents accomplish? Like, if you're talking about the Buffalo Bills, what would drive you nuts for them in this draft? Well, I'll tell you. I'll start with the Jets, and then I'll quickly move to the the Bills. Uh, if the Jets are smart, they're, they're targeting somebody like an Anton Harrison, and they're going to try to. They should go after the best tackle available in the draft because I don't think they could they could rely on Mackay Becton. Who knows where he's going to play? I don't think George Fent's going to return there. So they need tackle help, especially now that they have Aaron Rodgers back there, right? Mm-hmm. But the Bills, I'm looking for them to if they if they go off script, they don't take an edge player, they don't take a defensive tackle, they don't take a, a three tech. Although I like a, a bunch of guys for you guys at 27. If you guys go and get an offensive playmaker, and let's say a Zay Flowers drops to you, I love another player for you because I actually love him for Miami at 51 and he'll be completely unconventional for Miami at 51 and that's Jonathan Mingo wide receiver of Mississippi yeah, um, like that's DK Metcalf all over again the guy played I, I believe I have the number somewhere 147 snaps at inline tight end and the guy runs sub 4-4 <laughs> and he's 220 pounds okay that's a guy that you could pair with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and I trust my head coach who took my offense from the doldrums to the top six, and that's with your quarterback being out for four games, to do something with him, right? If Buffalo can manage a way to move out of 27 and pick up an extra pick and make sure you're at the top of the second round mm-hmm. to take a Jonathan Mingo, like I'd applaud it. Uh, other than that, staying put at 27 and getting that uh, a playmaker, Jameer Gibbs, Running back from from and and I always felt that that's what Josh Allen was was really missing, like a, a Christian McCaffrey type, you know. Because I always felt like, okay, if you're gonna get a, a bell cow type, you know, like let's say you, you take a, a Zach Charbonnet in in day two, okay, that's a bell cow type. I'd applaud it for Miami because you're essentially taking the ball out of Josh Allen's hands and putting it in a running back's hands. For 20 carries a game. 
That's not something I think the Bills should be doing. I think the Bills should be trying to accentuate what Josh Allen does best. Mm-hmm. And oh. now think about all of those dump-offs that went to Singletary last year, going to somebody like Jameer Gibbs now. Someone with the – just the – you imagine putting the ball in his hands, that, that well, kind of playmaker? Well, and it's interesting because we, you know, we had Matt Waldman on the show a few weeks ago, and he was talking about this running back class, and he said there are some great talents in terms of complementary running backs. He goes, running backs not a, deep? he goes, three down running backs – it's a dice roll because a lot of it's developmental. Who makes the jump and who doesn't? You know, he talked about a guy like um, who's now on our roster, who he's a huge fan of, and that plays into this conversation a little bit. But Damian Harris, mm-hmm. I remember Damian Harris from Alabama. I watched. I'm, a, I'm an Alabama fan. I watch. I know Jameer Gibbs. I've watched him. The thing that he said that you you can't prognosticate now is that you watch a running back like Harris who falls in the fourth round because. Everyone assumed that they knew what he was as a running back. And then in the course of an offseason worth of work, he hits, he hits the NFL, doesn't get a lot of run out of the gate, but when he starts to play, he looks like he's got nimble feet. It looks like he's figured out how to navigate traffic, which is something he wasn't known for in Alabama. And then you throw a little bit of receiving chops in there along with, you know, he's not the best athlete, but he has some decent vision. And he was a much more dynamic player than he had any right to be coming out of college. And so it's, and you've watched guys go the opposite way, where you expect better and don't get it. And he was saying, looking at the Bills' depth chart, they almost don't need it. If you were to say, hey, we're, we believe that Cook is developed and that we can make him that player, that there's other needs that you could use to make the running attack more potent, the tight end position for one. So it's interesting, like the running back conversation for any football team. I almost feel like for Miami, if I'm talking about your team, Elf, you didn't get terrible production from the running back stable, but it was so scattershot when you take a look by and large at what your rushing performances look like. Now, some of that, and I'm willing to say a lot of that, falls in the offensive line because you've got the games where Buffalo sold out to stop the pass at the beginning of that December game, and you guys were running it, what, 121 rushing yards? Yeah, you ran it down our throat. <laughs> For the, in mm-hmm. the first half. And then the second Buffalo said, all right, fuck, these guys were taking that away. It, it evaporated. And then your coach didn't do you any favors because he pivoted away from it the second he saw Buffalo was clamping down. So... It's a running back problem, but it's also a line problem. And I feel like for the Dolphins, if you could address that in this draft, that has to feel like a win, right? Oh, absolutely. And uh, I, I like the honesty of Mike McDaniel. And he's uh, he just finished doing a, um, an interview with Peter King where he said he loved Jameer Gibbs. You know, now first of all, he has to get better at at this uh, you know talking in code thing that his GMs <laughs> he do. He doesn't do it well. No, he doesn't. Because <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw Chris Greer with our assistant GM Marvin <laughs> Marvin Allen, but Chris Greer said this might be the last time I bring Marvin Allen up here because Marvin <laughs> Allen kept, kept talking, going on and on about this guy and that guy and the other guy that he likes. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, like, this is not a good idea. This is, <laughs> this is not a good thing to start exposing that you like all of these different guys. Well, uh, Mike McDaniel kind of exposed that he really liked Jameer Gibbs and that if the opportunity presented itself and they had to trade into the first round, that's something that they would entertain. I don't think they'll do that, okay? Because it's it's pretty well known around here that Chris Greer wants to preserve his picks going forward. So, you know, he's been lucky with his first-round picks, uh, Chris Greer, as of late, although his owner got one taken away. <laughs> going after Sean Payton. So, 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. And one thing that Mike McDaniel said uh, in, a, in a recent interview that he did with the media down here is they asked him, okay, are you going to address the running game? And he said, look, I really liked our running game last year when I actually called running plays. But sometimes, you know, I, it got away from me. He was honest. I got away from me and I just started calling passes. Like, like there's, there's actual video of him playing against Houston starting the game and saying, I'm tempted to throw the ball. And you hear it. You hear it on the sideline. I'm tempted to throw the ball every single play in this first half. <laughs> God, he's, and I, God, he's, God, he's weird looking. Yeah. And at one point, he called 21 consecutive passes <laughs> against Houston. See, but that okay. that goes to his point, though. You think as a Bills fan or if you're a Jets fan or a Patriots fan, I don't want to see the Dolphins get any more weapons. No. Absolutely not. No more weapons. It's just going to be too much. So – Lightning round style as we let you go. Player that you love in this class, regardless of where he goes, player that you love in this class, and player that you really think is going to... Not not just like, like, hey, he's underwhelming. Someone who you're just... Because I know you're a draft guy. You guys have your whole draft series. Guy you think is going to fall on their face based on what their draft expectations are. That's a really, really good... um... Really, really good question, right? Now, Ed Oliver, all right? You remember him coming out and what everybody thought he would be? Mm-hmm. I think the Bills at 27, and I know that, and I've heard it from Bills fans, like, oh, my God, not another front seven guy. If you guys get Kalaja Kansi of Pittsburgh, he's what Ed Oliver was supposed to be from day one. And you get him for five years because that's a guy that you're going to pick up as fifth year option because I believe and don't quote me, don't run this this podcast back in six years <laughs> to say, my God, what a miss by Alf, man. Alf thought that bum was going to get one hundred and fifty million dollars. I guess I'll call it. All right. In six years, you'll be talking about paying him the hundred million dollar contract that. Uh, Jason Hargraves got this year, and that Kristen Wilkins is going to get pretty soon. Okay. Kalaja Kansi is an absolute stud. I think he's going to be great. God, Elf, okay. I hate that you're a Dolphins fan, but, man, I like your takes. <laughs> okay, now, a guy I think that's going to fall flat on his face, man, it's tough to say it, right? But Will Anderson has tape that suggests that he takes plays off. If he does, If he does that in the NFL – he just will never fulfill his promise of being a top three, top four pick. And this and, is and this is where the expectation caveat comes into that conversation. Because I'll tell you this: as an Alabama fan, having watched all the games, I look at that and I see Will Anderson talked about being a top five pick, and I think to myself, I don't. I from but why? <laughs> but and I'll give why? you and I'll give you one more. A year ago, everybody had Kelly Ringo as a top five pick Georgia. at cornerback. Now he's appropriately dropping into the second round, and it's scaring me because it's the kind of thing that where he drops the fifty one, everybody in our draft room is going to start staring at each other, saying, "I know we have five thousand cornerbacks, but <laughs> how the hell are we going to pass more. on this guy?" Right. And your and recency bias, you're fresh off a summer where you lost a season where you lost every corner. And yeah. they're going to go, yeah. you know, we could have this guy on the cheap for when the next rash of ACL tears breaks out. No, you're right. Yeah. That is how yeah. they, and they could, And they could Ringo. be thinking, look, we, we probably have Xavier Howard for one more season. We have Jalen Ramsey for two more seasons. You know, this is a pretty good uh, you know, insurance policy going forward. 
in my opinion, the tape just doesn't stack up. Kelly Ringle doesn't look like a good player to me at cornerback, and I like so many other guys more than him. Shit. I love DJ Turner more than him. Joey Porter Jr. is awesome. Devon Witherspoon's the best in the class. You don't touch you my Michi- Michigan guys. Leave <laughs> DJ Turner alone. He's not going to Miami. You know, Christian Gonzalez is a beast. DeAndre Banks, I think, is going to be an absolute stud. Well, this is a, this this is a is loaded cornerback. Well, player. this is what I love. And these names you're throwing out, these are all players that our listeners can go. Why don't you tease that a little bit? This draft series of yours, where you guys, you and your friends broke down different prospects over the course of the last month, just. You know, short, digestible snippets on the draft. Why don't you tell everybody where they can go and find that? Because there's a lot. I've been listening to them. There's a lot of great content in there. So that when you hear the name on draft day, you can think to yourself, well, I kind of know something about that guy. This seems good. This seems bad. This. Is, where can people go to find it, Elf? You can get all our podcasts anywhere you get your podcast, and it's the number three yards per carry. And I know you're wondering, uh, if you're a Bills fan, you're wondering, okay, why do I want to hear about what the Dolphins are going to do at 51? It's Pretty simple, okay? You could listen to all our podcasts on the uh, our draft series where we cover every single unit from quarterback to defensive backs, right? And you listen to the first half of it, and as soon as you see it, you hear the commercials, you can turn it off. Because as soon as we come back from commercial break, we do 15 minutes on how the Dolphins can augment their, their roster with that position. But you can listen to the first 40 minutes of every one of those podcasts and hear about prospects at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, and defensive backs. Scott Mason, Alf Artiaga, Christian Simonelli. They are the disciples of apocalypse of the AFC East and their coverage. Fuck you, that's not real. What year? Uh, 97. Doug, okay. Doug, so do you, you remember them? So can Come we on, talk about do this? I remember them? You're, Absolutely. So you two, again, how do I have so many friends who give a shit about wrestling? And I think it's the worst thing. 97 ever. NWO was hot. Do you understand how big wrestling was Every, in the 90s? Sure. The I was a fan. And as soon as the Attitude Era ended, I stopped watching. Right. That's why I'm we don't do references from today. Today is. I just no got hit with an RKO out of nowhere. That's Randy Orton for when he first came out. That man was awesome. Legend killer. The yeah, legend killer. Legend killer. I'll tell you what. Randy Orton, Triple H, Dave Batista, Ric Flair. Woo! Come on, baby. We used to have this game, actually, uh, Potter and this kid, Feely, who is probably. If I had to say he's like Chris, except with a slider build. Like and he's like maybe a hair shorter. That's not Doctor Jones, is it? Uh, yes, no, that is Doctor ah! Jones. Don't say it. See, you're gonna get us canceled. No, that's hilarious. Uh, Chris, he's of the Asian persuasion, and I got hammered at a draft. Too drunk to pick. Like Potter and I both got too drunk to pick. It was the days of live drafting where you had tags with like magnets on the back, yeah, and just a magnet board because there was no internet websites to help you run it manually. And we all, there was like four or five of us, but most notably me and Potter, who got too bombed to pick our own name tags. Doctor Jones. And so we, he was, he volunteered to go pick the name tags, and I referred to him as Short Round, like he was my sidekick yeah. from Indiana Jones. Which did anybody ever question how did he, they like the formula of that movie got all fucked up because they did the first one where he wasn't even Indiana Jones; it was just. The Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. And they kind of developed this character. And then they go, let's do a sequel, and let's give him a sidekick. And then he just disappears? What, he never sees that kid again? Short round, man. Coming down the mountain in a raft you out guys, of a plane. You guys literally survived nonsense. What, he doesn't talk to that kid anymore? The kid's just gone? 
I don't know. I feel like if we went through that together, I now have to be an adventurer for the rest of my life because there's no going back to elementary school and being like having some dickhead teacher when I'm 13 going, well, really, if you're trying to prove an isosceles triangle and I'd go, fuck you, I I jumped out of a plane. I was in a flooded mine shaft. I watched a dude pull a heart out of a human chest. You keep the fuck a triangle. Chris, can you say it? What did he say when he pulled the heart out? I have no idea. Kalima. Kalima. Yeah, because Chris doesn't know movies. Come on, No, I've seen Raiders of the Lost. I've seen all the Indiana Jones movies. Temple of Doom. Yeah, but I haven't watched them in like 10 years. The whole franchise making sense Have you watched Indiana Jones, Temple of Pooh? We're We're off track here. So, Ric Flair, we used to do this thing. We called it the Ric Flair, and it was between the three of us, and it was whoever thought of it first when we were getting all fucked up, just drinking. And it was the first person to do the chop. And my thing was, can I chop you when you least expect it? Dude, I've been tripping on mushrooms, staring up at the staring up at the moon in the middle of the rural Hilton, like in the middle of the road out in Hilton, New York. No streetlights for miles. Just looking at the moon through a pair of those 3D glasses they used to give you at the laser light show at Darien Lake. <laughs> like an idiot in the middle of the road. And here comes Feely going, woo! And just karate chopping me in the chest. And it it's a world shatterer. You remember at Darien Lake when they used to give you those glasses and then play I'm Proud to Be in America? Yes! That's, that's childhood right there. That's nostalgia. We used to chop each other all the time. Like, those years of wrestling are ingrained in who I am as a person to this day. Everything that came after sucked ass. You know, I, I Can just, we agree on that? Can we all agree that, in the room that modern wrestling stinks? Modern yeah. Yes, I agree 100%. All right. You know, for me, at least, it went down. When Shawn Michaels went away, that's when it got bad for me. But, Drew I, and Chris, now that it's 2023, and you brought this up just a second ago with the comment you made, and it's pretty much legal. Have you ever thought about doing a show on shrooms? No, I'm. I think you. Chris do is already like, I, no, let's I not do I, that. I actually, I kind of want to see this. For for purposes of legality, I will not comment. Yeah, but, <laughs> I, I, this is just hilarious. Like there are a lot of things, right, that you can do. There's a lot of things with podcasting that I'd like to do. There's a lot of things that I hate to do, and one of them is talk about the NFL draft most of the time. I hate the draft. And now it's the Buffalo Bills' turn, right, as we go through this conversation of, and I hate it. I hate every piece of what this is, because realistically, every one of these guys is unproven. Everybody this year has, they get a giant hard-on for a bunch of uh, future NFL players. Are they good? You don't know. You just know what you've been told. Chris, you and I try to do the due diligence and for our listeners' sake, do the work that they don't want to do, which is we're going to go have conversations, prying, probing conversations with smarter people than us to figure out, hey, are any of these centers in this draft worth talking about or can we, when we don't get one, not hand ring because they weren't that good anyway. They weren't going to start. And then when you watch a team reach for one, you go, ah! And then in a year when you, or a year or two, when they trust the pivot to someone who sucks and their team is bad and their record is poor, you can go, eh, I kind of saw that coming. Yep. Like, that's all this is for me. And so in that way, I'm really happy that we've hit draft week because it's almost over. See, I love it. I watch tape. I read I the reports. I watch it. I like it. And I the love thing it. is with I your background as a high school football coach, you do, like, is it, Chris, when most people say the words, read the, watch the tape, like, doesn't it make you cringe a little bit? 
Yeah. No, I love it. I absolutely enjoy it. It's not a chore. I love it. It's calming for me, and I like doing it. I like breaking down all the positions, even the ones that the Bills don't need. So we'll, so we'll talk a little bit about the same questions we asked our listeners, because that's the vibe of the show. First of all, Doug, worst case scenario for the Buffalo Bills in this draft. If you had to come up with what a nightmare scenario looked like, because that's the thing. We sit here and every week we talk about, oh, what should they do? What players are a fit for the Bills? No one ever stops. That's the thing I'm more interested in is if something were to come, like, everybody has their own idea. You, Chris. In fact, I bet you yours is 30 seconds because you don't put a lot of thought into this stuff. But what is your perfect scenario for Buffalo in this draft? Well, this is very simple. Very simple. Complex. You get a good football player at a position of need. I hate you. I fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I that's what you do. You want to throw a beer across God. the room at him. It, it makes you want to throw a beer across the room. This is what I do every week. It's amazing. Ugh. This is my life. So, for me, I look at this and I think to myself, there's a lot of things you could do. What I don't like is the idea that, like... Oh, my God, the Bills have to have this position. Doug, true or false, our roster needs a lot of things, a lot more than people are willing to give it credit for. They definitely need some upgrades and some depth. I'll say that 100%. Depth, I would say, is the biggest, biggest need. So where and if you, from your perspective, what would constitute a worst-case scenario for Buffalo coming out of this? Worst-case scenario is one of these top ten corners fall. And they waste a pick or they trade up from like 27 to like 21 or 22 and grab one of these top 10 cornerbacks that fall. Now, we, if it's a safety, do you still feel the same way? Absolutely. I still okay, feel the so same way. Okay, so defensive back for you early in the draft is a, is a non-starter. Well, just think about it. Think about how our roster right now is constructed, especially from the back end. We have depth at corner. We have... Depth at safety now that they say that Hamlin's coming back. So at some point, safety I can get behind later in the draft. You know, fourth, fifth, maybe third. If someone falls like a Jameer Brown, who I'm a huge fan of from Penn State, I love this guy. I think he would be fantastic because you do need to draft for the future. You know what I mean? It was brought up, and I think this is a very valid point, that the teams, like you said, who draft for need, they're always drafting early. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're always drafting early. So you don't do that. But I would have to say that in this exception, corner or safety, you don't need a first round pick on it this no, year. Of I think not. I, I think it would fucking be wild. It would be a waste. If now, if you had nice. four corners on your roster right now that all were starting, but they all were on the last year of their contracts, that'd be different. But that's not the case. We're young at that position. Also though, now I'll say this. Look at our starting safety tandem, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. Mm-hmm. Both of them were drafted corners that kind of, you know, Poyer bounced around. He was a seventh-round Cle- pick. Cleveland. Cleveland. He mm-hmm. played, he spent, he had a cup of tea with Seattle. Mm-hmm. Micah Hyde was a fourth-round pick at slot corner. Mm-hmm. Turned out to be a heck of a safety. A hell of a safety. You know, and Hell of a say, I still remember Justin Uhlberg rattling my feelings when Micah Hyde at that playoff game, he's standing next to me. Micah Hyde goes from the opposite hash to pick off Mac Jones because he floats that ball to Aguilar. Mm-hmm. And it was placed well, yeah. but he floated it. Yeah. 
He and sure did. That man, what a heck of a pick that was! That's right? a, that's one of the craziest interceptions I've ever seen in my life, especially in a playoff game. What? We just go down their throat, go up seven nothing on a crazy touchdown pass from Josh Allen, just throwing it away, and, and Dawson a crazy interception. And it's and like, then, guys. Fuck you, you're not and winning what is, the game. But, and then you're just watching that drive as a Bills fan, right? You're watching Mac Jones pick up third down after third down. He picked up the third and ten with his legs. I saw it, and it made me sick. And, and then, then he pick. throws that ball, and it's like, oh, no, Levi Wallace got beat. You know what I mean? By Algalore. He got beat. And here comes Hyde out of nowhere. Thank you. You're talking about an RKO out of nowhere. Oh, that amazing. was that pick. It's amazing. And so this is my point, I guess, is it's like you can find these guys. What you need is athletic profiles, mm-hmm. and then you coach them. That's they weren't those two players were available in free agency for as cheap as we got them because their previous teams didn't develop them or find them. That's the draft. The draft is you have guys who you value at a certain level. They will or will not become pros, not because they aren't talented, but because you don't go to the right scheme, the right situation, and the right coaches who can turn you into the thing mm-hmm. that you can be at your ceiling. Right. If there's a position that I trust this team to develop more than anything, it's got to be defensive back. Absolutely, and so that's that why you wait. Right, that's why I think if if I was Brandon Bean and I was dr- doing my draft board, okay, there's those three positions that I would not touch in the first round: quarterback, cornerback, and safety. Okay, that's fair, and and you would be argumentatively comfortable with a lot of a lot like like if they went edge but a good one fell absolutely or if they went d tackle i can get d tackles one that i think that everybody needs to start waking up to this concept the concept that there's no d tackles under contract in 2024 right now as of today that's not by accident you know like chris succession planning yeah isn't that a thing that you task gms with it's part of their fucking job yeah. They have to not just figure out how to build a team for a given season. They have to look at what's coming down the pipe. You know, Elf touched on it. It's this idea that you need to start backfilling because contracts are coming due. And Brandon Bean has shown that he is incredibly savvy when it comes to contract structure and in terms of knowing who gets paid what. The biggest thing that ever fucked Brandon Bean was Star Latule opting out for COVID. The fact that he did that screwed up the timetable because his contract got extended another year and they mm-hmm. said, "Well, we didn't expect to have a salary on the books. So now we got to well, now we have to make some accommodations that we didn't plan for." But otherwise, he has in terms of where he values players and who he offers and what he offers, he's meticulous about it. So do you think it's an accident that there is no one under contract in 2024 right now? No, I think it was planned out. That um, that's how they had to construct the roster because of things that weren't foreseen. You know what I mean? But also, Josh's tr- Josh's cap it. Oh yeah. The fact that you decided that you wanted a Tremaine Edmonds. The fact that you knew you couldn't live without a Stephon Diggs. You've done all these things. Then the fact that you went out and got yourself a Von Miller because you recognize that I can't draft a pass rusher that's going to be as effective as what I think I need. Okay. So I'm going to do it. Hey, well, so, so here's here's my thing. For me, there is no scenario that's going to have me punching holes in your drywall on draft night in your garage, except. You just nailed, though, your top three in football. You just nailed your top three positions that you have to pay when you get that guy. That's it. You have to trade for. You just named quarterback. You get your quarterback. You get your Josh Allen. You get your Mahomes. Wait. What do you think Burrow's going to get in Cincinnati? 
that dude might get 55 plus a year. So you find your quarterback, you pay him. You find your number one receiver to go with that cornerback, you pay him. And if you find a pass rusher who is a disruptive force, you pay him. I don't care what it costs. So we Those did it. Three posi- We've done the thing. That's what you do. Now the thing is they've got to build out the rest of this roster, and they don't have money to do it. I think defensive tackle, my dream scenario is very rapidly becoming, I like that defensive line. I like adding to that room and just what I've seen and what we've talked about through these various podcasts over the last few weeks, I feel like you could make a case that if they went D-tackle, I almost feel like if you can assure me that the one you got is a disruptor or he is the preeminent one tech. He is your Casey Hampton. He is your, I am going to be a force here. He's your Holote Nada. I'm going to be here and I'm going to be a fucking problem for a very long time for a lot of football teams. That's my best case scenario, even though everyone else would be pissed. But tight end wouldn't upset me, whatever. None of those would upset me. It's funny the that... The running back thing would have me, like I said, Willem Dafoe outside your house with a gun in the air. It was a firefight. It was a firefight? You know, I'll, t- I'll tell you this, though. Uh, <laughs> it's funny It's funny you say that about um, interior defensive line because I'm a, I'm a big fan of PFF. I do like PFF. I do like their uh, their mock draft simulator as well. I think it is spot on. They do a lot of work on it. And over 500... Over 500 mock drafts, okay? You know the number one selection on the board is at 27? This is staying put. I took away trades. You know the number one selection is for the Bills? Over 500 times. It was close. There's three top guys who are very close. It's Kalijah Cansey from Pitt. See? And that's, see, you elf? It is. This whole thing. It's interesting to see where this falls, guys. And I feel like there's a lot of decisions that are going to come out this week in the draft that you are not, as collectively as a fan base, are not going to be a fan of. What you need to understand is that this team has reached a point where right now with today's roster, with no help, everyone goes, well, they need this, and they got to get... This team could go out there and still win 11 football games against every... With a tough schedule, with everything else, they're going to win 11 games. It's those picks that are going to develop over the course of an NFL season that are going to win you the Super Bowl if you can get there. Just like the Kansas City Chiefs had this mainly rookie defense, and everyone goes, well... They're fucked because they don't have enough experience in the secondary. And then that secondary stiffens up when they have to, wins them some tight games, gets them to a goddamn Super Bowl. This is all I'm all I'm saying is there really aren't many nightmare scenarios because we're not a football team that needs much. Right. At the same time, as we're about to talk about, and the podcast is going to air a little bit later this week, we're in this place, and we're going to talk about the mock drafts you've done, and we're going to talk about what the Bills' options could be. There are ways to win this thing, and there are ways to come out with okay results. But realistically, when you're a team drafting in 27, no, there are no home runs left. Very, very there's, rare. There's few home runs left, and instead what you're doing is you're fleshing out a roster. If you, look at, uh, if you just go back and... Look at the drafts that you had. If you just go back, very, very rare at the end of NFL drafts, do you find that difference maker? It's it's very rare. And this is where I think we all need to take a deep breath. Just wait for this thing to start. I am draft night. Don't hand ring. We're over that. We have the things. We have the quarterback. We have the cornerback. We have safeties. We have a D end that any team would kill themselves to have. We have things. We have an all pro linebacker. 
I'm sorry. That's more than most football teams. So there shouldn't be any hand-wringing from our fan base Mm -hmm. here on Thursday night and Friday night and Saturday afternoon. I agree. Instead, you just sit back and watch a gum deal. And enjoy. And enjoy enjoy. We've won the division the last three times in a row. Enjoy. This is good for us, guys. (laughs) Remember all the suckage we saw? You just went 14-4 and last year total. I love that, enjoy I love enjoy that, your life. I love that you and I are about to fucking toast a Utica club Utica to that. Club, guys, baby. Utica club. Guys, this is it's been fun, but we got to get out of here. I'm Drew Gear, that's Chris Krueger. That's Doug Rolowski, and this has been your AFC's Roundup. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.